When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Support for this podcast comes from Lexus. There are many names for enthusiast, like aficionado, fashionista, foodie, sneakerhead, audiophile. But there's only one way to become one, by going all in. That's why Lexus has gone all in on the sports sedan, by designing the new Lexus IS. Because the greater the obsession, the greater the reward. Learn more at Lexus.com IS. This show is brought to you by... The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, what's happening out there, everybody? It's Brian House here for the Work For It podcast. It is Thursday morning in your workshop. We truly appreciate you bringing us into your earbuds or your stereo systems or your cars. Uh, and we are part of the Makery Network. If you don't know what the Makery is, you can head over to makery.network. You can find all kinds of other audio content that has been created by people like us makers for makers and we're creating content based around the concept of using your hands building things in your workshops to build business and or build enjoyment in your life and uh, you know it's just one thing uh, that we do uh, every week on uh, the makery there's i don't even know how many shows now i think there's like eight or ten shows and uh, it's by makers for makers so we truly appreciate you listening in today's show has been brought to you by isotunes isotunes makes ppe headphones and i just got my isotunes link in the mail yesterday and they are awesome they're big headphone cups like you would imagine you could wear to keep your ears uh, safe but they have a bluetooth component built into them i can make a phone call i can listen to my favorite music or my favorite podcast all while keeping my ears safe in my workshop this really important uh and it also keeps me motivated that's one of the things that i really love about it is that sometimes when i'm not motivated uh to work the music or a podcast or somebody you know today for perfect example i'm working on this big workbench and um i'm listening to jeremy over at simple little life talk about his experience on youtube 
and you know how he's creating content for YouTube and he's explaining step by step and his journey on that and his path on that and it just made me like it sucked me in and I did probably about two or three more hours of work that I normally wouldn't have done because I got just sucked into his podcast and it's a great one and that's also on the Makery Network so go over and find Jeremy at Simple Little Life anyhow today oh yeah isotunes.com go to go to isotunes.com Make sure you let them know that you heard Brian on the Work For It podcast talk about these Isotune headphones and uh, you're buying them because of that, because they love that. And I love that. So I'm glad to help. Anyway, let's move on with the show. Today's theme of today's show, the three tools you must have in your workshop. I went out on Instagram, I asked everybody, and I brought my guy, Mr. Benjamin Butler from Idaho, straight up in potato land, coming right at you. He's here with us in the workshop. We're doing, uh, we're testing the waters because with Ben, because I really like the contrast of wood and metal. Yeah. Not just in my workshop, but also on my podcast. Ben is the wood. (laughs) And I am the metal, the heavy metal, baby. Yeah. So, Ben, how the hell are you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you, Ben? Well, uh, I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I've got, uh, you know, dirty hands. I've been in the workshop all week. I'm building a workbench. If you've been following along on Instagram, I've seen a big, heavy I-beam workbench I'm working on. I have. And I'm getting dangerously close to completing that. Nice. Nothing like not having a workbench to motivate you to build an effing workbench. Right. There's you know? a, a book, I believe, or maybe it is a maybe it was a YouTube video I saw, but that was just that. How the hell do you build a workbench when you don't have a workbench to build it on? It's build it on the floor. That's not what easy. I'm doing. Yeah. You yeah. Right. On your hands and knees. Yeah, it's it's an undertaking, that's for sure. And There's... the the reason why it's an undertaking is because I need to be able to unbolt it. So right. I can move it at some point. Yeah. There's yeah. something about a workbench though. You know, it just, I don't know that iconic, you know, and you can go, I think to two extremes with workbenches and guys go very traditional, very simple. Uh, and then you go all the way on up to accessorized to the nth degree. And I, I wish I had space for both, you know, cause I, I like both. <laughs> I, I can see where you're going with that. Every workbench I've ever had up until now has been made with two by fours for the yeah. most part. Yep. You know, just it needs to be a work surface. Two by fours and plywood. Yep. You know, it needs to be flat. It needs to be something that I don't give a shit about so I can just, yep. you know, beat the hell out of it or whatever. I have yeah. lost that. I just don't. I'm having a hard time. The workbench, as you know, the workbench I've had was a four by eight sheet of plywood that was on casters and a roll around and all that yeah and it was just too big and it, and, it, and it had sentimental value because my dad and i built it together mm-hmm. and that's cool you know and everything but he got rid of it for the same freaking reason <laughs> right. i want to get rid of he it he's like, and, his, <laughs> and if you saw his workshop you'd be like ah wow you thought that was too big for that workshop his yeah. workshop's enormous it's like nice. three thousand square feet oh nice and yeah yeah it's huge and uh so i you know, obviously got rid of it and I needed to get rid of it in order to build the new one because I just, even with its pure size to put two of those things in a space, it just didn't work. So I had to, I actually had Dexter come out and we dismantled it and cut it up and everything last weekend. So it's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. 
But now I walk into my workshop with my hands full of stuff, and I'm like, where the frick do I put this now? I don't have anywhere. Now I'm setting stuff on the floor, and my floor is super gross. Like, you know, you can can see – in you know, from the photos and the videos on Instagram and YouTube, you can see my I have that flake, you know, painted yeah, epoxy, epoxy flake stuff, floor, yeah. and that's by design because yeah. I don't like cleaning too much and right. and it so you, you see don't the see the dirt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If I take a magnet and I drag it across that floor, oh, it comes that. back covered Five in just oily, <laughs> yeah, greasy, oily chips of. You know, you know mild and steel and there's something about metal dust that is to me so different than any other dirt. Um, yes, I just I can't do it. And of course, I'm a woodworker, you know, and so for me, it's sawdust and I don't mind sawdust. Sawdust is kind of neat because every type of sawdust has a different smell or a different property. But that metal dust is just it gets everywhere. Uh, it, and it's hard to clean up and you have to oftentimes use oil and other lubricants to, to work with it. And you introduce one drop of humidity and it's just a sticky metal goo. <laughs> and it <laughs> right? oxidizes and it turns yeah. to rust. So, yeah, right. so it's, it is, yeah, you're right. It's a different kind of dust. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it, it becomes airborne, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, no matter how much you do to it. Of course, it's heavy. It wants to fall like sawdust, but it'll it'll atomize and it'll be all over the, the your workshop and you'll find it in really weird spots. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody commented on my welding table build video that I put out a while ago and they were they were like, um, oh, I don't like that. The fact that you put your welding, uh, your welding welders underneath the welding table. So where dust could fall down oh, you know okay. while i'm working yeah and i i took a second and i thought about that and i went dust is everywhere like doesn't matter yeah. where i put those things in a metal shop or a wood shop way. yeah it's gonna get in there no matter what you do so you always have to blow everything clean which leads me to the next step of what i was talking about on the last podcast which was my new jet yeah uh, air filter thing yeah that thing is unbelievable and i put it in the wrong spot this is uh this is a major blunder i Mm. i you know i didn't think about this when i hung it there but the way i hung it 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 actually blows the air onto my air conditioner and i have one of those mini split systems yeah and so i didn't even think about this but the air 10 feet above me is a lot warmer than the air yeah. on the ground, right? And so what it's doing is it's blowing cold air or hot air onto my mini split system, and my mini split system's struggling to keep my workshop Working. cool. How? Yeah. yeah. It see, I never would have thought of that either. But that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's going to heat, and it it heats up the air. It blows it over there, and I, I know other guys I've talked to uh with dust collectors in wood shops it's a big consideration that some folks don't think about at times um and if you if you're running your big dust collector inside your shop and you vent directly outside well you're just everything that dust collector sucks in is going right back outside so including all your air conditioning and all yeah all that cool air i don't know i put my dust collector in my attic (laughs) <laughs> it's a good which idea. uh 
it's a pain in the ass about once a month, you know, to climb up in there and empty it out. But I've got my air compressor and my uh, dust collector up in the attic. And what I like about it is every professional wood shop I've ever seen, you have to step over a pipe at the table saw because of the dust collection. Or there's something coming down from the ceiling, right, right. Um, to the machine. I've got to come down, yes, but I can come down in where I want to, basically. So I come down. That's right a unique the, solution. Yeah, I, I come that. down um, right at the extension wing, and then I have a straight shot into the side of the cabinet. And then that way, I don't, I've got nothing to step over. And works out pretty good. Really how does. many um how ma- i'm always curious because i only have one hose that goes to my mm-hmm. dust collection system then yeah. i have like a flexible hose that i just drag around wherever oh, yeah. i need it you mm-hmm. know because i move everything around on casters creating content i have to be able to move my stuff yep. into a spot where i can film and then move it back so it doesn't yeah. really make sense a lot of guys have like you know these big plumbing systems with all the stuff uh, how many drops ridiculous. do you have i have two drops right now and so I've got one drop that comes down to service the table saw and the miter saw. So I've got a Y there with a gate. And then on the other side of the shop, basically the opposing side, uh, about the same location, I've got a drop that comes all the way down and I put a floor sweep at the bottom of it that I never use. And I'll probably get You rid never of it. use it? Mostly because it's in a bad spot. Oh, you know, okay. I... I have so little space in my shop that literally every wall, like the whole perimeter is either, uh, you know, like work surface or machine storage. I see. Everything's on wheels. I pull it out. I don't use it a whole lot. Um, I need to use it more in all honesty because I have two smaller dust collection vacuums like the Festool, um, midi vacuum and then one by a company called flex uh i think they're a german tool company but i've got those two vacuums and i use them to sweep the floor and you know do everything not just tool dust collection well of course the damn bags aren't cheap and you're always filling up the freaking bags and so i should just use the dust collector but got to get that tightened up but you've inspired me with your air filtration because i am awful 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 at that i yeah i'm so bad <laughs> that thing that thing has a button on on the remote and you just click it and you say i want it to run on high for eight hours yeah. so the the what i've been doing is when i leave the shop just click it and tell it to run now if i'm doing something that's creating a lot of dust i'll just click it and you know let it collect uh for instance when i cut the first half of that um that to, that workbench it was a lot of plasma cutting. It was like a lot of out exterior cuts and then circles and a bunch of stuff. And all of that was uh, creating a ton of dust. It was creating, right. and a lot of people don't realize, but plasma tables create a lot of dust. Even with a water table, they really? create smoke and dust. Yeah. And um, it's a that weird oxidized, you know, rusty okay. dust. And, um, and it's terrible for you. You should not breathe it. It's atomized steel. I mean, it's awful for you. So that was the main motivator. And 
I did not have the jet at that point yet. Um, we got a tropical storm that came through, tropical storm Etta. It was actually a hurricane by the time it hit us. Yeah. And it was going up the coast, and that was the day they were supposed to deliver the dang thing. Um, and, of course, you know, they, they canceled it for a couple of days. And then they um, shipped it in. I did get it. Um, and then Dexter and I hung it on Saturday. And then yesterday I cut all of the pieces, um, the exact same amount of cuts that I had to make before, but I ran the jet. And while okay. I was doing it, and it was absolutely 10,000 times cleaner in my shop. It was yeah. that jet pulled all the smoke, pulled all the dust nice. into it. Uh, th- there used to be like a, a, like a burnt sienna haze in my shop after yeah. I would use my plasma table, and especially for that many cuts. And, and it was great. So, um, oh, And then, nice. then when I would come in the next day, there would be a thin layer of, you know, just grit on everything. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so now that, and there wasn't that, oh, uh, nice. the downside is the temperature difference, you know, so now yeah. I need to move it, but How's hey, the sound? whatever. Is it, is it noisy? It's noisy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a squirrel box fan. It's like inside of there and yeah. it's, it's pretty it, on high. There's even on low, I don't think I could record with it turned on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and get audio, it would just be way too loud, but yeah. it's definitely a trade off. I don't care. You right. know, I really want that air filtration and I have a dust collector, but, um, and I have that on my voice command so I can say like, Hey Google, yep. you know, turn on my, my, my vacuum. And yeah. I, that is one awesome. thing everybody should do. Awesome. It is stupid simple. Too. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yep. My big, yep. and I, um, some folks may not realize I, I use mine on the Harbor Freight. What is it? The two, I think mine's the two horsepower dust collector, the big, you know, the two, the, like the stacked one that's got like the, the yep. tornado thing inside. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a big, I think it pulls, I want to say it pulls 12 amps on startup, you know, I mean, it, it pulls pretty heavy, but those outlets have had no problem at all. I think I'm using, I don't remember what brand they are, but just those simple, smart outlets. I've got one on my compressor and one on my air compressor, my air compressor and my dust collector as well to be able to just say, Hey, you turn it on. Yep. And if you, you can't want, say it now, can you? Cause right, it'll trigger no, it. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and if you, um, if you want, you can still use a remote too, right? That, and yeah. I think that's what's yeah. kind of nice is just pull, you know, if you got your phone out, you just hit the button. But yeah, it is a I have one. I have a small uh, when made by when, but it's yep. the same concept as the jet. Yep. Um, and I have that right over my plasma table. Okay. Yeah. I've seen and, that model. Um, yeah. And I have that on a on a smart plug. Nice. So that. I can program it to run at night. So it'll just yep. kick on in my grind room, run for like eight hours and clean the air in there. That's so sweet. That's, what that's I pretty with sweet. My, um, with my compressor, because for the life of me, I can't find there's a small pinhole leak somewhere. Yep. And yep. so the lo and behold, two in the morning, the damn thing would kick on. So I just have it start and stop it, you know, in the morning. And that's the a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. It makes sense. Just tell my, it it won't kick on at night. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I'm about ready to put my miter saw on it as well because the damn uh, shadow light or the laser. Uh, some have a shadow light now, which is what mine has. It's pretty cool. But I never turned the darn thing off. Well, when I first got the saw, that light lasted about three months of being on all day, every day. Oh, because <laughs> yeah, it would never turn off. So now yeah. you can tell it to turn off. 
thankfully, uh, the fo- fine folks at Skillsaw replaced it. But um, yeah, but it just wore out. I have no idea, to be honest. I need to tear it apart. I've got the old one sitting here because they didn't even want it back. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll dig into this and put her up on Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Right? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to use two. Well, speaking of tools, the theme yeah. for today's show is the three tools that you feel are must-haves for your workshop. And I thought it would be interesting to find out the the contrast uh, between like stuff I use on the regular and stuff that you use on the regular. So my my the way I thought about this was it's got to be like the first three things that come to your head. And that's mm-hmm. typically the first three things that you grab you know, to do any job. So like you think about it and I can see you thinking, you're like, you're going, all right, what would I say? I've been through this so many times. Yeah. I, I, I was pretty quick with mine and I'll give you my first one. Go for it. I'll give you my first one. And I got turned on by, uh, by my son Dexter to this, um, a digital caliper. Oh, nice. That you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Well, and for woodworking too, they're, they're really great. Yeah. Yep. And they're super cheap. They're yep. like 25, 30 bucks on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. They don't use much juice at all. They're all LEDs or whatever. And yep. you can set them to do whatever. And I use an 18 inch one and yep. I use it all the time. I probably grab that more than I grab a tape measure. Mine's so that's, actually sitting. There it is. You got one right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got three. I of use them. mine every day. Yeah. Good call. I, so I what, use give it. me one. I want I want to hear what one of yours. What's what's one of yours? Well, the first one. The first one's a hammer, but ah, okay. that's always I don't know, kind of lame advice, right? What kind of hammer? What what what's a what's your ideal hammer? I want I the just, brand. I swing an S wing. Oh, um, made in my hometown. Yes, they are. That's Rockford, right. Illinois. That's it. I've always swung an S wing, and um trying to think when i was framing houses i i was swinging a stiletto back then but um, waffle waffle uh, face or yeah. flat face waffle face 20 uh i think 21 ounce it was oh yeah that's a heavy hammer yeah. big old hammer had a hatchet handle on it that i put on myself because i don't know what i was thinking but the hatchet <laughs> hammer handle is the the leather rings no, more the shape, I guess, was more, uh, you know, where a hammer is uh, kind of typically more straight in its handle. Uh, a hatchet has that sort of curve and that oh, big, right, the right. fatter butt to it. Gotcha. Um, but I found that was, I liked having that extra meat at the back because oftentimes you were swinging down, framing, um, standing on joists or whatever. And so it's just that little bit of extra grab at the end. Um, and then the nail set, uh, slot at the top, the notch, so you could reach real high and tack a nail on a, on a sheet of plywood or something if you're sheathing. That was back when people actually used hammers to do that work. Now it's all pneumatics. Yeah. Yeah. When I was framing houses, it was just become, cause it's funny that you say you were a framer. I was too. Um, uh, when I was framing houses that it would become, uh, that we would have enough money for one pneumatic uh, ha- uh, hammer uh, uh-huh. on, the, on the job site. And Man. it took like a gas cartridge. And, yeah, um, the Paslo deal or something. Yeah, Paslo. Yeah, yeah, that's they, it. I think they and, were the uh, first. 
Yeah, they were the first. And then when we got that, it was like a fight over who could, who would get it that day. Right. You know, everybody wanted to use it because it was so cool. But the rest of us would end up, you know, I was low on the totem pole because I was real young. But I, the rest yeah. of us would swing a hammer, and it was always an ass twing. My yep. grandfather uh, gave my father all of his old ass twing hammers, and then I still have them. People actually mention them in my videos. They're like, "What are you doing with that old ass twing?" It's like, "Hey, that that's from like the." 60s you know that's yeah. like these are old old hammers and they've got a lot of sentimental value so i still use them that, they're that's just a great uh one. there's something about a hammer you know i i don't know it's, it's pretty generic advice if somebody says i want to start woodworking i don't know that that would necessarily make my top three list you know because i don't know i've i found essential craftsman do you, do you watch him i um, do just yeah a phenomenal channel uh, if folks aren't familiar, but uh, he had something about tools. He was, you know, doing a little thing like this, and he's like, "But everybody just has, you know, a hammer and screwdrivers and all these things, you know." And he's like, "Or maybe they don't anymore." <laughs> yeah, that's something <laughs> he's to consider, like, maybe right? <laughs> that's a problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, people don't get it. You know, they a lot of times there's just lots of houses I've been to where I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm doing a job or something. And I'm like, Hey, I need to borrow the, you know, Phillips head screwdriver. And they look at you and go, Sorry. we don't have that here. Yeah. Like, what? The type How of family you? that just hires yeah. it all out, I guess. Okay. That's cool. Um, I, I actually posted this question to, to Instagram and we got a ton of answers. So I'm going to read nice. through some of these yeah, circle H knives says a beer bottle opener. A back scratcher <laughs> and a radio, and that I, I like that. No massage chair. <laughs> no massage chair on that one. Uh, Tony Ward Jr. says a quality hand file set, mm. a good vice. Those are both excellent suggestions. And coffee. Tony and I are like blood brothers. I swear to God, everything he comments oh, on all my stuff, it's like, yeah. So coffee. Quality hand file set and a good vice. Those are all three very, very good things. <laughs> they really I are. highly suggest that's a great answer. Uh, the next one, the room below says a two by seventy two, a TS fifty five track saw. Okay. I don't know what a TS fifty five track saw is. Festool uh, track saw. Okay. And a radio. That's the other one. Radio. Or you can click in and use some Isotunes headphones. That's another one. I was going to say, tool. you probably suffer from this too, Brian, that I used to have the radio on all the time. And yep. then I started making content for social media. <laughs> yeah. And you can't, and, and you can't use it. Yeah. In fact, Instagram will, will, uh, will block your videos sometimes now if you post with background music. Come yep. On. Yep. I know. And, and YouTube's terrible about it. So I don't have anything playing in the background ever. Yeah. That's why I love those isotunes. I, I can pop them in my ears and I never have to worry about it. So, yep. um, love it. Riley knife and tool says two by 72, a knee mill. A knee That's mill. a big one. That's a, a knee mill. That's like a big bridge port. Okay. Um, and a shop apron full of tools. So that's, yeah, go. that's funny. I like yeah. it. Yeah. A shop apron is really important. Yeah. Um, Baltic Blade says a vice, um, a two by seventy two grinder, and in his case, he's in the I believe Baltic Blades. He's up. I don't know where he is, but he's in. He's definitely in metric land because he says a fifty by two thousand grinder mm. and a porta bandsaw. Porta band. Ah, 
A lot of guys in the metal world use a porta band. Yeah. And I love my swag off road table. I don't know if you've ever seen me use that thing, but I it's have. it's killer. It seems That's like makes it a game changer for that right. tool. It seems to me too when I was thinking about this that it really somewhat matters as well if you're talking about um in a workshop setting versus going somewhere to work, right? right. If you uh, my my go bag is much different than my shop, you know. So Do you keep a go bag in your in your in your truck or your car? No, anymore? I just don't yeah. anymore. I don't do enough work, you know. Now I'm more into just building freestanding furniture. So right, right. Uh, you know, I keep I keep a little bag of tools like crescent wrench and you know screwdrivers, a hammer, you know, things like that in my in my car because you yeah. just never know when you're going to use it although yeah. that was more or less from the time i lived in a cold climate you know right it was, now yeah. it's just like i live in a big warm city so i don't have to really worry about it too much but i did a lot of country driving back in the day and it, my dad always taught me like have a candle in your car have some water you know there was a lot of oh, that stuff yeah. in case you got uh, stuck yep, yeah no doubt yep. uh flashland holster says brain so you got to bring your brain. That's a good point. Your hands. Got to bring your hands and a yeah. pencil. I like there it. Yeah, Pencil's I usually bring one. all those. A lot of times my hands show up, but my brain never does. I don't yeah. know what that's about. Been yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bent Llama says first aid kit, eye wash bottle, and a fire extinguisher. Hmm. I think he's very, very safety focused. Yeah. And uh, I have all of those things. Other, I do have an eye wash kit, but if I I'm in there by myself, mm-hmm. there and something got in my eye, I probably wouldn't be able to find it. Yeah, I know sort of where it is, but keep a visine bottle in here. But yeah, yeah, not as bad getting a piece of wood in your eye as it is fine metal shavings. Uh, yeah, I just had my uh, second or third case of uh, like a chip that got it worked its way into my eye, and um. It's it's uncomfortable. I mean, it depends on how big it is and how sharp it is. But yeah, you, you can get them out with a Q-tip. A lot of guys go to the doctor, but I don't. Yeah. I don't end up doing it. My son Dexter he commented on this. He says angle grinder, a sharpie marker. That's a Ooh, good one. Yes, and a ratchet set. Dexter would love my shop because oh, dude, totally. I have. I'll bet you. Three hundred sharpies in this place. Everywhere, I, have a I buy them habit. by the box full on yeah. Amazon, like that huge case. I buy them and yep. then I just throw them everywhere. Yep. Yeah. All right. So give me another tool. What's what's number two on your list? Uh, drill or impact driver. Oh, okay. So what's your what's your brand of cordless drill? What do you use? You know, I'm not super brand loyal necessarily. In the past year, I've come into a lot of skill tools, skill brands. Oh, yeah, skill, yeah. And surprisingly, I mean, we all have a certain impression of skill, um, and it was Walmart and, you know, uh, cheap tools. But I have honestly been impressed with the darn things. Um, you know, they've sent me a few to, to try and send my thoughts, that kind of thing, and... Uh, you know, even if they didn't, I would pay, I'd spend money to buy them. To be honest, they've they've yeah. held up well. They've got a cool battery platform 
that has USB charging integrated into it. And so, Oh, interesting. Their, all their batteries actually have a USB port on the back. So they're no kidding. Charge charge your phone with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Probably use them for that about as much as I use them for uh, other work, but no, they seem to be pretty good quality. Uh, I can't speak to the durability yet, you know, but so far I've got, I've had a few for a year now and they're holding up great. So, all right. Yeah. Skill drill. I, yeah. I, I have, uh, in my head, I do have the cheaper version of it in my yeah. mind, yep. but I use a lot of Ryobi tools and the, uh-huh. those are considered really low end as well, you know? So you know, and they don't, they last. I mean, I, I crush those drills. I mean, I really yep. beat them to hell and they, yeah. they do last. Um, people make fun of me for using them on YouTube, but, um, but. I don't care. And I'll continue using them. At some point, I'll probably like maybe move into a Milwaukee. I have a Milwaukee drill and yeah. kit, but it was given to me by somebody that was moving. Yeah. And it works just as good as the Ryobi. So, and, but right. I keep that one around because it's got a hammer drill setting on it. That's the drill I, I just really got. Like. Has Yeah, it has the hammer, the screw, and the drill setting. The drill, yeah. And it's a little 12 volt. I've been really uh, liking the 12 volt platforms of the different tools I've tried recently, just for the size. I don't need a massive drill, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think there's so much I, I grab for that 12 volt impact, you know, a thousand times a day if I'm out here working a full day. And even when I'm not working a full day around the house, I'm going to grab for that thing at least two or three times a week. Yeah. Okay. Just super handy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, a drill. That's a good one. So you're going with like, you're going with like the core tools. And I'm, I'm, I was like, you know, I, I do a lot of that too, but I'm, I'm thinking for my number two tool, uh, a good scratch all or a, or a good punch. Cause I use, I use like an old Nicholson, uh, scratch all. Yeah. That I got when nice. I was one of the things I've always done in my life is I've worked with my hands. I mean, other than starting the tech company, it's like I always had tools because I was a carpenter and a framer and I built yeah. houses with my dad and all that. And then um, so I would always collect the, you know, these some of these hand tools and I still have them. And like, for instance, the scratch all that I have, I remember walking into the hardware store to buy it because nice. I needed it, you know, oh, and I sweet. and it back in Rockford we had this and I don't know if it's still there maybe it's still there or not um it's it's called Nicholson's Hardware was the name mm-hmm. of the, the 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 tool store um but they had everything it was like an ace you know kind of right. like it it wasn't like a Home Depot cuz those didn't yeah. exist back then but um I remember walking in and paying like 8 bucks for it or something yeah. and this has been like and it, you know what I'm talking about it's like those yeah, it's got, got a got long right stem here. Yeah, it, it's in a little time. Yeah, exactly. It's like that, but it's got an epoxy handle instead of a wood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, they're um, handy. They're super handy. You you know, I can take that thing and make a dent in mild steel with it, and yep. or I can use it and scratch. You know, and uh, I use you know, it for put, leather. Yeah, leather, everything. So I, a good scratch all, yeah. and it's super inexpensive. Like you can it buy is. one for under ten bucks, and you know yeah. you have one, and you can sharpen them, and they're made out of high carbon steel, so you can do all yep. kinds of stuff with them. I've, which is the I've, reason why I think Jimmy Duresta was, was so popular pick. when he made the ice pick. It's just a different version. Just yeah, yeah, needs they need that. Yeah, because in woodworking, I I use it all the time um, for marking. Sure, you know. 
uh, marking knife. Marking knife serves a little bit of a different purpose, but the scratch all for that, or just a pick to pull, get something out. Yeah. And then I've made some myself out of just a 16 penny nail. Oh yeah. It drill and sharpen it on the, um, well, I, I got a funny story to tell you about a belt sander later, but <laughs> I'll sharpen them on my disc sander because I don't have a two by seventy grinder. <laughs> you need a grinder. You, you would really. I I need to send a picture. I'll have to recreate the contraption that I came up with the other day. But I needed to edge sand uh, some some boards quick, and a lot of times I'll actually do it on the table saw. I've got a sanding disc that goes in the table saw. And, oh, I um, love that thing. I've never in my life seen that before. Oh, it's it such a cool knees. tool. It is just awesome and you can run them that you can run a a, you know a thousand board foot through there if you needed to it's just really fast once you get it set and if your if your stuff is all cut well it just flies through there but i i had this idea and i think i've shared the idea with you before too it's like an edge sander is something i don't have but i've seen a lot and i've always thought man that would probably be one of the handiest sanders a guy could have if on the end of it, you know, standard, you'd probably have a two inch drum on that one end. But what if you could swap that out to have like a half inch drum or a three inch drum? So now you've got a drum sander on the end of your edge sander, which I think would be really slick. And some guys do that and you can use that. But anyway, I have my little Harbor Freight, you know, belt and disc grinder combo tool. And the other day I, uh, I duct tape and, and, uh, and hand clamped a bunch of stuff onto it to, to create my own little edge sander. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I, I, that I'll tell you, I've watched, uh, some, some sketchy stuff, you know, people yep. building, the, uh, you know, whatever they have to make this, you yep. know, process work. And, um, Mareko Mamasi of Mamasi Fire Arts, he's a yeah. knife maker he posted a video of some, you know, angle grinder mounted to a drill press where he could swing it out. And, <laughs> yep. and then the drip, so the chisel was spinning in the drill press. Right. People were tagging me in it going, what do you think of this? And I'm like, it's awesome. Like, I yeah. think it's great. And, and, um, I, I love it. And I think it's fantastic. And it, it looks sketchy. Yeah, but, but it's not that sketchy. I mean, you got everything mounted like 10 down. 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you got, one, if you've got like your cut. riot gear on, yeah, you got, you're wearing Kevlar and all. Uh, no, it, it didn't look that bad, but um, most people would look at it and go, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, all right. So, all right, let's go back to Instagram. Yeah. Let's see what else everyone else is saying. So, um, uh, bald mountain blade says a two by 72 bell grinder, a mill drill, which is what I have the Enco one zero. Let's see. It's one, one, zero, zero. I can't remember. I ever remember the name. No, it's one, 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 zero. So an Enco one, uh, one, zero, five dash one, 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 zero is my mill drill nice. and a welder. I think a welder is a good answer. Yeah. You can fix a lot of stuff with a welder. I don't, you know, I don't own a welder. And believe it or not, I have never used a welder. It just never? that is one never. That is mm. one I can I can honestly say that is one trade or one of the larger areas of endeavor that you could 
you know, tackle with your hands that I've not ever done. My, Once you learn the skill, it's it's such a handy thing to know. Oh, it's, it's really, really My handy. oldest son, Jack, at 10, is dying to learn how to weld. Like, that's all he talks about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, metalworking is becoming really popular. So yeah, it is. doing it. All right. So let's uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Bella, Gian, Bella Gian Fit says a pencil, a light, and a circular saw. Circular saw. I like the light. The light one yeah. is a big one. Pencil's a big one too. Circular saws scare me. I, I've. Yeah. I, I can use them, but man, man, they scare me. I like them though. They do a lot. Of, yeah. When you're framing a house, that's like all you use, you know, for the most part. Well, and now with the, um, uh, you remember who it was? Somebody had mentioned the TS fifty five track saw. The T- TS is track saw, and then oh, uh, that's what that is. I is, get you. Yeah. I want to say 55 is cut depth. So it'll go 55 millimeters deep. Tracksaw ah. or Festool has these crazy German ways of, of identifying things. But um, with a track saw and a few small accessories, i.e., a table with some holes in it, you know, like uh, Festool has their multifunction table. I know of a lot of guys that are that are not putting table saws in their shop anymore because they've got such good accuracy with a track saw and repeatability with a track saw um, and you don't you know you don't need a table saw anymore. I don't know that I could ever do that, but if you're looking to get into working with wood, a, a circular saw to me is a must have. That and an edge yeah. guide and you're sure. off to the races, you know. Yeah, I've often thought about that because it's it seems like I could do everything with that I want to do anyway uh with a track saw and yeah. not have a big bulky table saw. I, I got my table saw for such a song. I, right. It was like it was so great. Um th- there was a guy in Fort Myers which is just north of me and he had a um he had a like a live edge wood like facility where he would just sell live edge wood and he was going out of business. So he was selling all of his stuff. I got a grizzly. It was like not even really used. It looked basically used for maybe a year just so that they could trim boards to sell them. Yeah. Um, five horsepower grizzly table saw with the, with the wheels, you know, the, the cart underneath Mm -hmm. uh, a dust collection system and, uh, uh, a, um, a fence, like a nice fence, yep. all for eight hundred dollars. Whoa, yeah, that is good a deal. deal. Holy a good hell. deal. Yeah, yeah. It's I had to funny. move it myself, but I don't know how it is there. I'm sure in like in the Chicago area where you grow up, grew up in in the country in the woods of Pennsylvania, you know, north of Pittsburgh where I grew up. Man, old tools are just everywhere, right? Yeah. Just. Fine. I watch Chris Zepp all the time make everything shop and he's in that same area, right? It's, it's the, the brown belts today that there are so many tools you're tripping over old jointers and old metal, you know, old mills and stuff like that. Here in Boise, it is a fucking tool desert. It is like a used tool desert. I, I yeah, can't. same with Florida, man. If, if you're looking for a tool, it's either buying it new or waiting months for someone right. to the the thing 
the thing about it is down here is a lot of these older guys that move to Florida or retire, they sell their tools before, before they, they come. come down here. Yeah, yeah, if you were looking for a used boat, we got a million of those down here. Right, I'll bet. Not tools, Fishing man, poles, not boats. tools. Yeah. yeah, it's bad here. So Rob O'Grady says uh, Vernier, Vernier Calipers, a scriber, and a six-inch in engineering square. Those are all very, very good tools to have. I'm not exactly sure what the Ver- Vernier calipers are. I Is think I know what they are. Maybe, or? maybe. I think there's also a, a set of calipers that will adjust to a specific uh, proportion, and that might be what that is. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to Google it. I don't have time to Google it, unfortunately. The Vernier um, scale is a visual aid to take an accurate measurement reading between two graduation marks. He's yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's can look yeah. that one up. <laughs> Exile Forge says a marker and a pen, calipers and a belt grinder. Yep, those are all real good ones. Everybody's saying pen and pencil. That's that is like a a definite must have. Uh, Mad Made Blade says forge, hammer, and anvil. Esso Tremarca says a uh, PC, like a computer. That's a good one. Um, uh, utility knife. That's another good one. And a tape measure. He said those are all three of my, my most used tools. Uh, Rust and Dust says a housework 2x72 belt grinder. Uh, yeah, hello. Yeah, Heck everyone yeah. needs one of those. Uh, two. Let's see. Two. Yeah, get two. I have three. <laughs> I, I like. I, I need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like mine set up in a way so I have like a contact wheel on one, small wheel attachment on another. I could I could essentially have four of those things. Cause oh, I, I bet. Mean, because you can just when you're working on a specific piece, you know all the attachments you're swapping out. You can just yep. walk between them and you know do your thing. But yeah, uh, it might have might 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 uh might be buying those plans in the new year. Well, yeah, I mean I know a guy, so you know we'll <laughs> we'll work something out for sure. But yeah, if if you I don't know if you'd ever want to build one yourself, but like the kit makes it yeah. super easy. You would have to obviously learn how to weld that's your that's your thing maybe you and jack can do it together Um, but yeah we could we could work something out and get you one i I think it would be interesting to see how you would use it in a woodworking sense because there's a lot of guys using them in their wood shops and yeah do you follow vintage axe works over there i do yeah yeah he he loves his handles with one yeah yeah beautiful handles yeah all right so you got one more tool what's your last tool Man, I wanted it to be a good one. <laughs> What's uh, let me ask you this? What's one tool in your shop you use almost every day? That would be a good answer. Yeah, I would say of uh, well, the other one that I use every day, I use the I use the bandsaw every day. Bandsaw. To be honest, bandsaw what? is my favorite. Probably my favorite. The bandsaw to me is the two by 72 of, yeah. of my wood shop, right? Whether it's safe enough for my boys to use sure. or I, I have determined that, um, but it's versatile enough to where, you know, you can cut a nice straight line. If you've got it tuned well, uh, you can resaw a piece of wood, you know, to make two boards out of one. Um, you can scroll cut a sign 
you know, there's there's not a lot you can't do with a, a jigsaw when it comes to wood or a, a bandsaw when it comes to wood. I wish I had your bandsaw, but oh geez, yeah, um, you have bandsaw I've got, envy. I I've got a just a <laughs> shitty craftsman bandsaw, you know, nine inch I think it is bandsaw that it was it was the first tool that I bought when um when my girlfriend at the time now my wife moved down here to Boise from Seattle and we got our first apartment and it had a garage and of course that's when the tool lust started, but that was one, that was the first big tool that I bought was this bandsaw. I'll probably never get rid of the darn thing because, because it's not worth selling, but even I that, that same saw, it's a great saw that nine even inch that saw? tuned up. Well, you know, um, I put some new guide guides on it and I take good care of it. And yeah, I love that darn thing. Bandsaw is probably a, a go-to for me. I can't imagine a shop without it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit, I think on the last uh, podcast you were on with me, but I'd sold that same saw because yeah. uh, back when my kids were real little, you know, we didn't have a lot of, a lot of money and, and uh, I ended up selling all my tools to make, you know, right. basically pay the mortgage and stuff. I, I sold my lathe and, you know, this was like, so Dexter was born in 06 and then in yeah. 08, the crisis hit, you know, where we had our worst yep. economic depression ever. So I ended up having to go and call all my tools, sell everything. And, yeah. you know, I just started the company, too. It was a terrible, terrible yeah. timing on everything. So I I'd sold everything. And then um, just recently I upgraded. This is now, what, 14 years later? I upgraded to the Grizzly 17-inch, the 35th anniversary one, and that is just like an amazing tool to have. The one thing I don't like about it, and it's just probably the blade, but when I use it, it clicks. So as I'm cutting through things, it goes... Probably hitting that weld. Yeah, you might check the... It's hitting the weld. I think it's just a bad blade, so I need to fix that. Um, but the other day I I put... uh, I had been stabilizing all that uh, Buckeye Burl that Uh I'd gotten... Uh, from Pennsylvania, buddy of mine, yeah. and um, and uh, I had epoxy. I had poured epoxy over it and put it in a pressure pot, and then um, I needed to trim off all the excess epoxy. And uh, after it had hardened, and I'm like, I have a bandsaw now. I can do this. You know, yeah. hey, this is nice. cool, and it has a fence on it, so I can just run it through. Yep. And, uh, right and through. Yeah. man, instead of grinding it off like we were discussing earlier, it was like. Why do I grind this off? I don't need to grind this off. I'll yeah. cut it off, you know? And so it now can the, cut really the, well. The struggle you'll have is which blade to have in said bandsaw at any time, yeah. right? Yeah. That's always the What do you suggest? Because I'm, I'm going to use it primarily for wood. I'm not going to cut anything yeah. else. You know? yeah. What do you suggest? How many TPI? What do you run? Oh, I don't remember what mine is in there right now, but... On a smaller bandsaw like mine, I can't go too big. So I think I have a quarter inch blade in mine right now. Maybe three eighths. I can't remember. But some somewhere in that vicinity, you know, is a pretty good medium. You can still you could still resaw with that, you know, cut down the long way like you're I think you're talking. And you could do cross cutting pretty well as as well. And then also if you wanted to be shaping you could do it 
Um, if you've ever watched uh, Duresta's stuff with band with the bandsaw, he does some really cool tricks with the bandsaw. That it's kind of funny because I think a lot of guys that use a bandsaw a lot probably do that as well, but never realized it. But he'll pull the pull the piece backwards and actually use the the blade to carve. So if the bandsaw is always running in one direction, so it's always pushing downward. Um, you know, you push your wood into it to cut it. Well, instead he'll run it at an angle, pulling the, the wood back towards you. And so what it does is it turns it more or less into a sander or a grinder, but it has a pretty aggressive grit to it because it's that bandsaw blade. So that's a pretty cool little way to get a little shape on a handle if you have a hard time otherwise. But yeah, I, I'm thinking about building a, um, these guys do these octagonal handles yep. and I saw somebody build a 45 jig. Um, and my, yeah. my thought on this, I'm sure somebody's already done this cause I'm, my head immediately went to this, but I want to be able to cut my octagonal handles and take that corner off, you know, just take, yep. shave those, those, you know, 45s off. And then I, I want to make it so that it'll fit inside the slot on the, on the table. So it'll go through. But then I want to put a hinge on it uh, and imagine a hinge that would change the angle of the way that the blade is hitting the wood. So I could yeah. take it and swing it like, say, one or two degrees and make tapered uh, yeah, octagonal handles nice. with it. Nice. Right. Shouldn't be that tough. I would think, yep. you know, with a plasma table, I could cut some thin sheet yep. metal um, where and then put some angle iron in there, you know, yep. weld a piece of angle in there. And then the, the handle sits down in there, and then there's a pin at the front that mm -hmm. you would be able to swing it kind of like a, just like a speed square or yep. uh, not a speed square. Yeah. Like, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Like, those, uh -huh. those not I a do. protractor, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. Angle finder, whatever the hell they're called. Uh, compass. Compass, yeah, yeah. Yes. And you'd be able to change that the angle. Just, yeah. And you only need to be able to swing it, like, say, four degrees because you're not making I've these got, um, crazy tapers. I've got one a taper jig for the table saw that is similar. And what you might think about, I have two pivot points on mine. It's oh, a sled. Okay. And so the way the sled works is I push the sled with the piece right through and I use the miter slot, uh, you know, as a way to secure the sled in place in a way. And then that way with the two, uh, I'll send you a picture of it, but if, it, imagine a rectangle with another rectangle laying on top of it, and then okay. a hole drilled through the top, two holes drilled through the top rectangle, sort of in the in the middle of the narrowest part, you know, spaced out. But then what it allows you to do is really get really good pivot over two plane, you know, two uh, points, and then if you just want to use one, you could. Um, but then that whole sled pushes right through the blade and pretty handy. Yeah. It's, I've, uh, a buddy of mine, Ben, uh, over at Ben's bites. He, um, he has, he's sent me numerous videos on this where he has the same scenario going on with his, uh, table saw. Uh, -huh. uh, but my table saw, it, it scares me. And especially with working <laughs> with really small pieces like that, yes. like really tiny yeah. handles, I'm thinking, you know, if I could figure this out, if I could figure out how to do it with the bandsaw 
it would be 100 times more approachable for me. And right. I think that's something that I could do um, pretty easily. And now that I've got this fancy, dancy, grizzly table yeah. saw with like the slots in the table and everything, I have that access now. I should be able oh, to make yeah. something. Uh, It'd be cool to get it to where you did two, you know, if you could do a. I like that concept. Uh, yeah. Combat, what do they call that? A compound miter. Cut. And I think I would be able to because the 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 handle sitting at forty five in the 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 tray or the yeah. you know whatever, and then the blade is hitting it from this angle, and all right. I really need to do is swing it, you know, the back end, yeah, yeah, a little bit, you know, a, a little bit left and right. So, sweet. All right, so we got some more comments. Uh, people are commenting like crazy I on this love photo. It. That's yes. great. Um, Dave. Irving over at Evader Knives, one of my favorite, most favorite people on the planet. Uh, he says, uh, I'm the biggest tool of them all. <laughs> but, but that probably doesn't count. Uh, he says, hey, look at this. He says, bandsaw is his number one. Grinder is his second. And a heat treat oven is his third. He says, although a drill is pretty close, too. So right. there you go. Yeah. I'm um, scrolling through these. Holy crap. There's so many. Oh, my God. I was just um, looking at your post. I had to hit the plus sign to see more. Yeah, there's so many. Um, a hammer. Uh, the big Oki says a hammer, a vice, uh, a grinder. A vice is a big one. I, I actually, um, you're gonna love this, uh, Ben. Um, I upgraded my vice this year. Uh, Again, I had to sell my my interlocking. I had a, one of those great uh, sliding uh, vice uh, things. Uh, it, it was really old. It was like my I don't even know whose it was. If it was my grandfather's or not, but you mm-hmm. could. It had like the the quick uh, lock oh, on yeah. it. So I you just could got turn one of those. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I just bought one yesterday. This thing must have been a hundred years old, and um, they're great. I can't remember if I gave it back to my dad. I may have given it back to my dad, but um, yeah, you'd pull it out, you turn this thing, and it would slide all the way out in you know, like a drawer, and then you could yep. put whatever you wanted in it, and then spin the handle, and it would tighten down. I think they call it a front vice. A front vice that could be it. Um, yeah. Wilton makes one, and yep. they make a really nice one, like a nine inch uh, wide uh, yep. face mount, and it has. If you can imagine, it has a pivot point on the face. So mm-hmm. whatever you put in it, if you want it to angle, you know, it's not just the jaws aren't just, you know. Yeah, um, not statically. Not, they're not uh, parallel. Yeah. Exactly. They, they're not statically parallel. They can be if you want. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I got that for my new um, workbench build that's going on. So that a vice is super important. Like I use a vice almost every time. Um, let's Have see. you seen uh, the uh, twin turbo, Andy Klein's twin turbo bench vice? I have not. Yeah, I'll send you the link. But yeah, folks are interested. He, uh, Andy Klein's another YouTube guy, and he's got a phenomenal twin turbo bench vice. That what does that mean, twin turbo? Well, if you as soon as you pull it up, you'll you'll kind of get the idea. Andy Klein is an inventor, basically. I, I believe he's doing a lot of work with magnets and remember the name of the company, but they're selling magnetic fixtures for the wood shop or workshop, basically. So okay. you need a stop on your table saw. You just put a magnet on the damn thing. Um, Ooh, I so like that. he came up with this vice that he wanted a, uh, a woodworking vice that was uh, fast or slow. And so it's actually got two gears. So you can either... Uh, you know, ah, open and close it quickly or open and close it slowly. And it's also got, like you said, the quick 
uh, quick release feature and he's got a swivel mount for it, which is just what made me think of the twin turbo uh, was your mentioning of the swivel capability. So that if you needed to clamp something that had an angle on one side, but was square on the other, you can actually take hit the whole vice and sort of shift it cockeyed so that, okay. you know, uh, the part pulling in will be at 45 degrees, but the back of the vice is still at, you know, a flat 90, you know. Yeah, hey, that cool. sounds awesome. Yeah, send it over to me. I'd love to check it out. Yeah. Um, all right, so Trent, our main man, Mr. Trent Hill, he says, yeah. my brain, my body, and something to use as a hammer. Notice he doesn't say an actual hammer. He says right. something. something to use. <laughs> as a, that's, yep. That's love funny. It. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So, uh, and Rusendahl works. Uh, Chris Rusendahl, he says, um, I always use that speed square, uh, yeah. which is the one I'm holding up in the picture, but the smaller one uh, that you're holding up. So, yeah, the one I have in my hand, I think, is the 12 inch and, or the, uh, yeah, 12 inch. And then I also have the six, the six inch version of that. And I run that all the time. In fact, I have three just... of them. Yeah, it's like so, stupid simple. Yeah. When I was framing houses, I had one on me at all times. Like, oh, that man. That's the thing. And yeah. I think in general, in woodworking, yeah. whether you're framing or you're finished carpentry or you're building furniture, a good square that you can trust uh, is in. That's the problem. I, I don't know about you is trust, but with, I don't know if you've ever checked most of your I squares over time. Almost they, weekly, just jackassing just around. Check. I'll scratch two lines down just to see and i actually caught a really expensive square the other day that um that uh is that out wasn't, of square that wasn't like, 90 oh what man the hell <laughs> oh i know me too i've had the same thing i've had that exact same experience yeah. and i'm just like this i'm building a bunch of shit with this thing and i'm like yep. none of this looks straight what the hell for folks and, that don't know how to check a square it's really dead simple you just you you hold the square and scratch a line, you know, mark a line like you would traditionally or on a board, and then just flip your square over so that if you have a speed square, the 45 would be on the left for the first draw of the line, and the 45 would be on the right for the second draw of the line. If those two lines aren't parallel, or I draw them in the same spot, if you get any divergence at all, your square is not square. <laughs> yeah. Your square oh. needs to go to the trash. Yeah, just yeah, chuck it yeah. because it's yeah, and that's it's I over. started buying good squares be, because of that, you know. Sure. That I've got plenty of squares that are bad, but uh you know, or that are just kind of beaters, but if you know, that and tape measures, I check my tape measures a lot too. And guys but, don't yeah. do that often. That um the tape measure has that little part that'll move back and forth. And yep. a lot of guys don't know what the hell that's for. <laughs> Surprisingly, I'm surprised the people that don't know what that does. That's so that you can butt your tape measure against something. And that movement accounts for the thickness of that actual, that catch. Right. Um, but those, those catches wear out. Yeah. They yeah, wear out they, over time. Yep. Yeah. I actually, my favorite tape measure comes from Walmart. Really? What yeah. Is it? It's made by the, the Walmart tool brand called Heart. Heart. 
Yeah, H-A-R-T. I've heard pretty good things about those tools from so for people ten I didn't bucks, think would give pretty oh, good reviews. Oh yeah, ten yeah. for ten bucks, you get a magnetic. So if you can imagine on that little catch thing, you know, yeah. it's got a magnet on it on the one side. So for guys like me who are measuring lots of metal, it's really nice. You know, I can yeah. shove that thing against something and pull my tape measure out and it's, and it'll stick. stick. I don't need to yeah. catch. I don't need to catch it. And then, um, I glued a couple of neodymium or whatever they're called. Uh, neodymium, neodymium, yeah. uh, magnets to the back That's of it. Another and tool. I just throw it up on the wall, wherever I need it. It sticks to all my tools oh, nice. and everything. So I, and I always stick it to my mill. Yeah. Um, and, um, I always stick it now. This is my third tool. My third tool is my digital level. It's a little Ooh. tiny box that with an yep. led readout on it and it's magnetized on the bottom yep. and what I can do with it. And my favorite functionality of this thing is not to actually find level. Okay. Right. Cause level is not always the level yeah, you know it's not, not always, always the right most important thing yeah, yeah it's not always the most important thing you can find level on it if you want to the ground but what i do is i take it and i stick it to something and then i zero it out and then i'll stick it to whatever the contrasting piece is and it'll yep. tell me the difference between the difference. those two things that's, and that's what i do it. with my table saw yeah yeah so, so yep. yeah, most guys buy them because they want to know the angle of their table, and and exactly. a lot of people don't realize they're they're zeroing out the blade to the floor when you need yeah, to zero it gotta, out to the freaking table. You gotta calibrate it first. Yeah, to cal- whatever, uh, but whatever uh, angle your table is. That's at, the whole yeah. point of that zero button. Is you put it <laughs> yeah. on your table, you hit zero, You're then you right. stick it to the blade. A lot, lot of guys, guys don't do that. They just stick it to the blade and they go, it "Should be 90. I'm like, 90 yeah. against what? The floor? Your saw sitting at. A two degree. Yeah, your saw is not zero. (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. And when you, I've seen a guy in his mind, I just blew his mind. And he's like, no wonder all my cuts were wrong. And I'm like, like my whole life is fucked. (laughs) Yeah, everything is blown out of it. Because, you know, and we use it on on the big bandsaw here, the big grizzly metal cutting saw. And, you know, the guys are like setting it on the tube, steel way down. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh-uh. And they're like, I'm measuring for level. I'm like, you need to level it against the table and the blade, not not right. the friggin' not, floor. Not what are you work. doing? Jeez. And yeah. now your cuts will be right, you know. Right. And oh, uh funny. Yeah. yeah. So that's my other th- that's, that's my third favorite tool. tool. That's though. a twenty dollar yep. amazing piece of technology that yes. will change your game. By the way, I will include links. In the show notes, if anybody yes. wants to know what I bought, I will I'll put links. And most of the stuff is available on Amazon. Too. So yeah, no. but uh, no, it's you know I think in general, right? There's well, we talked about it earlier, right? There are there are people who know and appreciate tools, and then there's those that don't. Um, but there are there are purely in my mind, anyway. There is a list of tools that would be helpful for everyone to have, whether you're uh, living in a high-rise apartment in New York City or you're living in Boise, Idaho, or anywhere in between. Um, to me, there's just always been something about tools that, you know, I probably don't even 
think about it or speak about it enough, but man, the things that tools have enabled me to do, you know, the things that I've been able to create, but also the changes that it's made in me, myself personally, it's just un- unheard of, unthinkable. It's what separates us from the animals. You know, yeah, it, it, right. It, a lot of people don't realize, but like the early times, you know, early human beings, when we started chipping stones into arrowheads and, you know, carving sticks and making things pointy and all of that, all the things we're using now, hammers, drills, saws, all that is just another extension of the hand, you know, and yeah. the mind, the human brain. And, you know, and we're moving forward um, as a society. We're building um, and things and changing things. Um, one of the, one of my favorite uh, scenes in almost any movie is uh, I think it's Apollo 13 when they get slung around the moon. Uh, they're, well, they're trying to figure out how to get back to Earth, right? Because okay, they lost yeah. their propulsion to yeah. get back to, to planet Earth. And they figured out that they need to use the moon, you know, to slingshot them back into Earth's orbit and all that. Mm-hmm. And then they start running out of air. I don't know if you remember this, but they they, yeah. they, they eventually the air filtration system inside of the, um, the, the capsule st- malfunctions. Yep. So a team of engineers gets thrown into a room and then they put inside of this room only the things that they have inside the capsule. Mm-hmm. And so they dump all this, these items out onto a table and they're told if you have to fix the air filter on that capsule and these are the items you have, how would you do it? And all these guys, these big brain dudes are sitting around figuring it all out. And I just think back to that, like every single time I have a problem with something, I just dump everything out, look at what I've got and, and look at my resources. Okay. You know, what do I have? What kind of tools do I have access to? What can I make? And, um, you know, cause this is a life and death situation here. We're talking yeah. about guys in a capsule and they're, they're trying to get home and spoiler alert, they fix it and, they uh, they it. get home. Tom Hanks, well, he was okay and, uh, right. you know, made it back. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and that's actually a true story too, by the way. So just in case you yes. ever want to know about Apollo 13, watch the film because it is actually what it's happened. True. There's um, a podcast I found recently by the Gimlet Media group i think or corporation one or the other but it's called the habitat okay and it's a true story uh where uh somewhere in hawaii they created a a fake version of mars and okay i can't remember how many scientists it was like and they weren't scientists they were just everyday people that they recruited for this task and they were going to be uh, locked. I can't remember exactly how it went, but they were in a small capsule. Basically, these people were going to be locked in this habitat for an entire year, or they were in this habitat for an entire year. Wow! And uh, they would only have the things that they would have on a Mars mission. You know, so same type of a simulation uh, routine, but just fascinating to listen to the podcast because it kind of they interviewed the people that were in there and uh, in real time. So it was, you know, the day that they were tr- 
you know, walking into the habitat is when the podcast kind of started. But now, is this like science fiction or is it like a documentary style or more documentary style trying to understand, you know, what's going on in the brains of these people and why the hell would you stop being a rancher and come do this for a year? You know, I'm amazed then, at all the people that volunteered to go to Mars. I mean, it, yeah. it, like all these people are saying they'd love to go. It's a seven year trip, you know, right. to get to even to the planet. And then you've got to, yeah. I would imagine, I don't even, I don't even know. I, I like earth. Let's just take care of earth. I'll be, I'll stay here. I'm into it. Is it I, seven years back too? I assume. Yeah. It's seven years there and seven years be, back. Yeah. 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 You I, look at it, that. Right. And, you take 14 years, that's what, about an eighth of your life. Yeah, just traveling. You would just spend traveling to and from Mars. Holy shit. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I can no think joke. of a lot of things better to do with an eighth of my life. Unless, of course, we do figure out, you know, the travel, you know, the, the, yeah. the you know, warp speed and all that stuff we've come up in films. You know, maybe right. at some point somebody will fix that. Um, you know, we'll Elon's to, on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. All right, uh, Mr. Craig Lockwood from the Makery Network, uh, he yeah. says uh, Sonos, beer fridge, oh. and a comfy chair. And I'm I'm fairly certain comfy he's chair. joking about a comfy chair. Yeah, they they were busting his balls on and that. It, I, I heard yeah, that on the yeah, last yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, Didn't so. he put a couch or some shit in his Yeah, room? yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, it's pretty funny. Um yeah. That's and actually I'm I'm in believe it or not, I'm in Jeff Fader's camp with I don't have chairs in my too. workshop. I do not have chairs in my workshop. It is not Me a place too. to sit down. I so, have a stool. Yeah, I have and a stool. That is only because I do my day job out here from That's time it. to time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 normally when I record the podcast, I'm in my workshop. And today yeah. I'm actually in my office and in and so if you've heard the phone ringing and stuff, it's because um that's where I am. My air conditioner because it was uh the 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 jet air filter was hitting yeah. it it froze over so i had to turn it off and now my workshop's oh, like shit, you man. know 90 degrees and super yeah. hot in there so i was like you know what i'll just come up here and get comfortable in my office and um, but it's just not soundproof in here so and then there's like people yeah. milling around downstairs and stuff but sounds uh clear to hear. yeah yeah no it sounds pretty good i i'm i'm a little concerned with the with the air handler because the air handler's like right to my left but i fair i you know with uh adobe audition which is like the creative suite which is how i edit yeah. the podcast which i don't do a ton of editing i just i just filter out all the noise and whatever else but um yeah. uh, i use that and and it seemed like on the last podcast i thought it was going to pick up all the rain from the hurricane no you're so i was going to tell you it, it sounded clear as a bell yeah it sounded great i was super surprised because it was so loud in my that yeah. and that's one of the big reasons why i came up here because i'm like well if if i'm in my loft office and my air handlers making the same, if not less, sound than the rain in the last episode, and and, and Adobe Audition filtered it all out. Um, I should be good to go. So yeah, I got yeah. a comfy chair in my office. I Heck got a computer. Yeah. I got everything no, I need in but here. The, the workshop is no place for a couch. Yeah, no, no, now. God, no. Jeez. I think we got to everybody's <laughs> comments, by the way. I'm sure there'll be way more by tomorrow, but um, yeah, I just I just posted well, a whole bunch. I'll have to pop over there as well. I I uh, I hadn't been up on the IG too much today. So. Well, that was one one of the. I know we're coming to a close on the show, um, but I wanted to bring up one thing uh, that you had shared with me about oh, yeah. about the reels on reels. Instagram. They seem for real to me. For um, reels, yeah, you know. 
so if folks aren't familiar, reels, you'll see them in your feed, you know, as you're scrolling through Instagram. And then it will say, watch more reels. And then basically you're thrust into this sort of fast paced thumbing uh, environment where. Like TikTok you, kind of, right? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. is basically a duplication of t- TikTok. Um, but they, you know, I have been pretty stagnant on Instagram, to be quite honest. I haven't seen much growth and whatever, lots of reasons. But, you know, uh, as we talked last time I was on, I'd like to grow a bigger audience, you know, uh, not necessarily all about followers, but the more people I can share my stuff with, the better. And so playing around the other night, I was... It was the first time I posted reels. And last week I did kind of a thing where I stuck with one theme all week and I looked at sand. That was awesome. By it the was way. pretty fun, honestly. Oh, it was, looked, looked like missed... a ton of work. I mean, it looked like a well, ton of work. You know what, though? It was easier because I knew what the hell I was going to do. Right. Um, and I think that's the, that's the convenience of it. So I may not go as deep into the weeds as I did on, on last week, but that's. I'm going to try to stick with that before I'd be like, Oh, I just posted a sanding video. Do I really want to post another one? No, I shouldn't do that. But you should just stack now. Them I think up. I should just stack them should. up. So I'm going to go for it. But I posted, it was a, it was the video. It's hilarious. It was the video of a jig that I made. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it online at some point. I did not come up with this thing. I'll, I'll say that first and foremost, but it was, to put the sanding disc on your random orbital sander. And so basically just has two dowel pins, sort of calibration marks, if you will. So you can put your sanding disc on there upside down and then stick your sander to it so that the holes line up perfectly. Your dust collection works great and everything else. That thing took off and it's now up over 150,000 views. Um, That's huge. It's it's it, huge, but here's the weird thing. It's netted me about 15 followers. I was going to ask. Okay, so that's yeah, I, yeah, that's it. So so reels get the views, but not the followers. Yeah. But the other thing that it's done is it has increased in, engagement, I feel like. I've noticed more engagement in other posts that I've done and on my feed, you know, actual posts, not reels. So to me, that's, that's what I'm looking for, right? That's why I would say I want more followers is because I want to interact with more people. Um, I don't want to make a post and have two people comment on it or nobody comment on it, you know? Sure. Um, Yeah. So, but it was interesting. So if you're looking to get views, hit, hit up the reels. I think it can't hurt in terms of, um, uh, increasing followers, but you know, and then furthermore, I started, I hadn't ever really researched or looked up or, or shown too much interest in how to overcome a stagnant account. You know, the other night I was just kind of poking around and here's one school of thought is, uh, there's something called an organic engagement rate, right? Which is, how much will Instagram help you get engagement? So uh, you could walk into a room of a thousand people uh, and have to figure out how to reach 
touch the hearts of every one of them, right? Um, that if that's your task in the past, Instagram would say, well, we'll get you 15% of the way there, right? Well, out of a hundred people, we'll take 15 of them and we'll make sure that your message sinks in. Um, well, Instagram's goal is that they have no organic engagement rate. So, uh, they want you to be, uh, you have to figure out how to reach all the people, which to me is kind of ridiculous in a way because, um, that's how do you kind do of the that? Whole, yeah. How yeah. do you do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, they, and I, I think they would probably say the same thing. Well, how do we do that? How do we target the right people for you? And so it's just an interesting thinking about the nuts and bolts of social media and thinking about the nerds in their, you know, in their offices, uh, coding this stuff. I mean, those are the struggles I think that, that come with all of this is the multiple uses of a platform and, you know, on and on and on. But well, anyway, I had, uh, I had a, just heard, listen to uh, Brad and John Malecki talking yeah. about this exact thing on the made for profit. Oh, did they? I'll yeah. listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. It. Check it out. Uh, they, uh, it's interesting to listen to John specifically talk about it because he, um, it has been stagnant too, you know, not yeah. just in, on he's Instagram. going shock factor big time. Well, that's what he's talking about. He's he, yep. the question you asked is how do you reach, uh, people that you've never reached before. Well, you have to do something different than you've yep. ever done before. And you have to do something different than anyone's actually seen before. Yeah. The other growth component of this is, um, uh, Brad talked a lot about this is that, uh, it's not so much project based as it is human based. Like they want to know your story. They want to get yeah. to know you, which, podcasts help with that um you know longer form videos like on youtube you know um jeremy at simple life talked about that on his last podcast he was like you know his last episode was phenomenal oh really good yeah really really good because he gets into the nuts and bolts of if you want he talks about the essential craftsman too and and he, he 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 said that basically you know, if you look at like his channel versus this a guy that created videos and they started at the exact same time and this other gentleman only had like has like 3000 followers and you know of course Jeremy's like almost 300,000 now yeah and you look at the stark contrast as to the differences and it's you know the difference is is that Jeremy followed you know what the algorithm sort of wanted him to do and yeah. made knives and you know he's sort of burnt out on it now and he's talking a little bit about that and he's saying you know I'm not so passionate about it anymore so you have to really be careful um, you know, with whatever you choose, because if whatever you choose and you're not passionate about it, uh, it will consume you just like anything. Yeah. It'll, it'll eat you up. So, uh, that's why when people talk about grinders, belt grinders and all that, why I'm super passionate about it, I don't fully understand why, but I know that that's the reason why my YouTube channel has taken off. And if I post anything about, uh, two by 72 belt grinders, uh, my engagement and, also my views and all the algorithm just goes like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at 10,000 views a day. It'll go to a hundred thousand views. Yeah. If I choose to post about two by 72 belt grinders. And it makes sense. It does. I mean, it, it, it does. really truly does. 
I've it's said a that. It's a two-sided street, right? And I think that that's what we oftentimes forget. The content that you put out that is that is outside of your, quote, wheelhouse is shit. Yep. You know, everybody, I'll say, mine's shit. If I don't, if I'm just coming out here to do it, to do the grind, I'm not putting out anything. You will get found out so quick. That, oh, that's so, so true. Because people yep. will, will notice it. And, and that is yep. so true. And I think, and I've said this in other videos and podcasts, and I would talk a lot about this, the market picks for you. Oh, yeah. So whatever you're passionate about, People like the passion. They're coming after they want to see that because life is full of the mundane, right? So they want to see somebody who is engaged with what they're doing with their work. Um, And there's a few, only a handful of things I'm truly passionate about. And, you know, like content creation is a big one, making video, making film, you know, and then also working with my hands and also abrasives. Um, uh, and, uh, oh, by the way, this is a sneak, a sneak peek about, since I mentioned the word abrasives, I've been approached by an Uh abrasives company. So there, yes, yes, this is, is, um, I can't say (laughs) yet. I can't say, I can't say. But um, uh, we're we're working nice, on the man. the endorsements and the sponsorship contracts. So the, awesome. they, yeah, Good yeah, an you. abrasives company. Yeah. So um, and they just found me. Great. I think they found me on Instagram, and then uh, even and even though my channel is small on Instagram, they they went to YouTube, and so that um, this is my other argument for uh, maintaining a, a dual social media um, presence yeah. because. People are finding me on Instagram, even though my channel is smaller on Instagram, the engagement is high. And yep. then they go from Instagram to YouTube and then they went yep. to YouTube and noticed, oh, wow, this guy's got like, you know, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I just surpassed 28,000 subscribers on YouTube nice. and it's, you know, it's growing my, you know, we're at almost 6 million views um, nice. and, you know, it, 1500 subscribers uh, a, a, a week or a, a month and so, and all those subscribers for the most part, I truly believe are in that niche. They're in they're you yeah. know, they're coming from the videos that are based on, on grinder videos and abrasives videos. That's the key. That's the key. And you know, if you want to do this for work, you got to go, all right, that's my niche. I'm going to do that. I'm going to yep. do a lot of peripheral video videos around yep. it. But like my, the last video I put out, it's not performing at all. And it's, right but it's totally fine. Like, I don't give a, a crap about that. I really loved yeah. making that film. And that's, I enjoyed that, it. You've got to have that. And I think that's in, I think that sometimes folks don't realize that you have to like to share your stuff too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's such a big part of it. There's times when I don't feel like sharing. Yeah. You know, there's just, I don't want to be, is it because you, social man? Do you feel like it's because you don't fully believe in what that piece of content? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever like make yeah. something and go, "This is shit. I don't even like this, and I don't know why I would share this." Or do you think in your head like nobody wants to see this? Probably the the latter. Okay. Is yeah, because I'll share whatever I make. You know, I'm I'm happy sharing mistakes or fix its break its whatever. Got it. That part doesn't bother me that much it's more just the oh that's not interesting enough to share you know and then you go on to instagram and see stories of guys and gals like oh just got done eating a sandwich gotta go take a shower 
Like, and people who watch cares? it. And yeah, people but people watch, watch it. it, man. People you know, watch we it. We all do. And and to your argument, um, it's part of why we do. And it's because we get to know that person, not just that person's work. Yeah. Right. And that's like what drew me to your channel the first time I listened to the podcast and then found your YouTube is that you you watch five five uh videos of yours and you can kind of get a pretty good idea like that's brian you know um so that's that's some that's an area i've been really trying to focus on i think in my endeavors whatever road this is your stuff is really identifiable it 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 really is i hope so you know but i don't think it's identifiable with the guy i see in the mirror you know um which is kind of an interesting thing to say but I don't think folks could pick me out of a crowd, even if they followed me intensely on Instagram, you know? So I think it's more just getting on the stories and I don't do that nearly enough. Maybe Um, it's because you're not showing your face. I mean, you don't show your face a lot, you know, from from far away, but not, you got to get, you got a nice face. You should show your face. No problem with it. Yeah. Well, thanks. I I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, so we've got one more comment on this this picture. Um, okay. Mike Mike Lavalle, he's like one of my most favorite knife makers out there. Um, he has a Revolution grinder. He says a two by seventy two belt grinder. A drill press is another one. That's the first oh. time I've heard drill press. That's a good one. And uh, he's going with the Dexter answer, which is also an angle grinder. So yeah, angle grinder is a big one for me too. I, I use an angle grinder a lot. It's scary as hell. That's like uh, right up there with a table saw for me. But yeah, but it's a useful tool. And I'm I'm using the pneumatic version of my angle grinder now. I have multiple pneumatic angle grinders. Okay. And for some reason, those feel less dangerous to me than the other ones. Yeah. Because I feel <laughs> like, you know, it's air. It can't cut me in half. It's it's just air, you know? I'm, I'm Hey, what is the what is the status of that project on the um Oh, the little grinder, uh, the the table grinder thing. Table grinder thing. You know, uh, Chris Polk uh, asked me about this, and he and he's uh, he's about the only one that actually asked me, other than you. But um, that that could be the next. um, It could probably be like a sister project to the the revolution. That table, I use it all the time. And all the time. And everybody has an angle grinder, like from Harbor Freight or whatever. They don't give a shit about that. They could bolt into the thing. Um, I just need to make it universal. So that, that would be the, the key to this is like, it's a hard part. Yeah. You can do spacers or something. In my setting, I use a disc sander all the time, right? I got that shitty Harbor Freight one and it's, it's all you really need. Um, it ain't great. It ain't terrible, you know, but there's a lot of times I just need to go over and sand something at a 90 degree angle, yep. know that it's at 90 and move on. And that thing, you know, whether it's removing a tiny, you know, five thou off of a, a little piece to get it to fit better or something like that, that thing's all the time. But I've always wanted a really big one. Um There's a guy on YouTube and gosh, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but he's got a huge, like 20 inch disc sander. And I've always thought, man, you know, he's like Adam sanding box lids and shit on it. It's yeah. like Adam Savage has a big one, has a 20 yeah. inch. Yeah. And he uses yep. that thing all the time and that looks dangerous as hell. It does. But man, 
I've thought about making one. I've got an old motor laying around here, and Jack and I were scheming up some craziness one day. But it would be I'd cool like, to do it with like a three-phase motor in a VFD, yeah. so you could slow it way the hell down if yep. you wanted to, exactly, um, and variable speed it. And then um, I don't think you would need a work table. I mean, yeah, maybe I don't know. It would probably be pretty useful. Yeah, it, it just depends. The table to me is really handy. I use my lathe a lot for that. If, you yeah. know, if I need something bigger than the six inch that I've got in the Harbor Freight deal, one of these days I like to get it, get that upgraded. And spindle sander is the other thing on my list. Spindle sander. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. You know, if you're trying to sand the, an inside curve. Oh yeah. I don't really have anything good to do that, short of rasps and files and all that Amish equipment. <laughs> the, the the hand driven elbow grease versions yeah. of everything yeah absolutely yep. well hey listen mr ben we have been talking for Man. let's see i don't even know we've been talking for an hour and a half look at that holy cow an hour and a half and it's been a great episode i truly appreciate you coming on and I uh i love the metal and wood concept i just yeah it's really cool it's uh, fun to play off of love it. it i love it i love it and i'd love to have you back on the regular so if you want to join in on a on a, on a regular basis and you, and you want to talk about whatever you want to talk about you should do that i will do it all right i'll be here all right i like I'll block it block off the schedule cool cool all right well hey listen thank you as always for listening to the work for it podcast on the makery network if you're uh, looking for other things to listen to there is an enormous amount of audio content on the makery network website makery.network of course you can find all of those shows on your favorite podcast platform i personally use spotify but we're all over the place stitcher google podcasts uh uh what's the other one apple itunes you know the whole deal you can find us everywhere on there and uh you can download our shows and listen to us on the regular so and we truly appreciate our sponsors for today's show uh isotunes thank you for the headphones we truly appreciate you uh stocking us up with good ppe um my wife thanks you because now i don't have to ask her to repeat everything all the time uh because i'm like what'd you say i've been what i can't hear you because i my ears i got the tinnitus uh it's uh, my ears you know so the whole thing and it also makes me more productive in my workshop so anyhow guys ben thank you for hanging out thanks for having me truly appreciate you my name is brian house and you've been listening to work for it if you like this show take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.